All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, happy Mother's Day, even to you fathers. <laughs> we, don't, we don't forget you. We'll celebrate you on another day. But um, we're so incredibly thankful for our, our mothers. Uh, my mom pa- passed away when I was in my mid-20s, and so I haven't had her around in a long, long time. And I remember um, it was a real struggle because we had, I'm going to share a story in a bit about being in Bible college. And I actually <clears throat> left Bible college to go home when my mom was really, really sick. She ended up passing away. And that was a, you know, it was a big struggle with she's gone, and what does that mean? And I remember the Lord gave me an incredible, beautiful picture of uh, her being on a safari. And my mom, uh, it's not that she ever wanted to go on a safari or anything like that, but back then, if you remember, back then, you know, you, there was no cell phones. You know, there was a lot of things that there weren't, internet, a lot of stuff that we didn't have. And uh, I just remember thinking the whole context of it was she's somewhere and she's amazed. Like, she's seeing things that would blow my mind. And she can't wait for me to join her, but she's there and I'm here, but it won't be long. <laughs> and that's been 20-something years, and I still feel like it, it won't be long. It's quicker than we all think. Um, so I'm incredibly thankful for mothers. Um, part, of that, part of the reason why I am is I know what it means to miss one and not have one in my later years in life. But thankfully, I've had a lot of other people who mothered me, not my wife. We don't allow that. <laughs> but I've had a lot of ladies who've mothered me in, in my life. I'm so incredibly thankful. So I, I just want to jump right in. <clears throat> Today's a special day. Obviously, we want to celebrate moms. And just to, obviously, if you're going to pick a mom to celebrate, who else would you celebrate but Mary? And so it's really interesting about, uh, about this uh, preparedness thing, you know, that we're in right now, or lack of preparedness. You know, we've come out of a season of COVID for the last year or more, and uh, we were wholly and completely unprepared, as we all know. But it's interesting, great thinkers and leaders have spoken into this preparedness thing for many, many years. Let me just read you some quotes. Benjamin Franklin said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. I've heard that one a lot, actually. He who is best prepared can best serve in his moment of inspiration. Samuel Coleridge said that. Fortune favors the prepared mind. Louis Pasteur, there's no harm in hoping for the best as long as you are prepared for the worst. I never thought I'd quote Stephen King in one of my sermons, but there you go. <laughs> Luck is when preparedness meets opportunity, Earl Nightingale. That's, he writes some really good books, by the way. Uh, make preparations in advance. You never have trouble if you're prepared for it. Um, that was Theodore Roosevelt who wrote a moose. <laughs> this guy was prepared for just about anything that came his way. But it's interesting that uh, there are some things that come our way, and even these guys would, would, would testify that there are some things that happen that you just can't prepare for. We're wholly unprepared for and uh, life often throws some of that stuff at, at us, and preparedness is just not going to help. So just consider some of the Bible stories you know, and think about who would get the award for um, the most unpreparedness at the time of God's call. Like, would it be Abraham, maybe, Moses? Like, he seemed pretty unprepared. David, Esther, maybe. Um, but I think if we're going we're gonna to give an award, we give it to Mary, because I don't know anybody was prepared for what she um, was what was announced to her and what she had to take on. Um, and I just want you to take a second and just wrap your mind around a pregnant virgin. <laughs> so if you don't, I, I love to talk to people who are cessationists who say, you know, the supernatural, it's, it's no longer available to us. But you believe in a risen Savior, right? <laughs> you also believe in a woman who got pregnant with, without a man. So I don't know if maybe, you know, supernatural might be a little more prevalent in your life if you would allow it to be. So let me just give you some context of what's happening with Mary. So when we, when we meet Mary, she's a young Jewish woman. She's barely matured into marriageable age. 
Some would say 14, 16, something like that in that culture, which is really, really young. Uh, not as much for that kind of culture as it would be for us, but she was really young. She was newly engaged. And at this time, the Jewish people were in what we would call the Dark Ages. Um, if you remember um, the Old Covenant, Old, Old Testament, the New Testament is a page flip for you, but it was 400 years for Israel. And so for 400 years, the prophets who had communicated the word of the Lord to Israel had been silent. They hadn't said a thing in 400 years. And the only teaching that Israel had was coming from the Jewish rabbis, and it was often, well, some of like the Sadducees and the Pharisees especially were the leaders, and it was coming, it was really, really muddled, and often they were leaders who were manipulating people for their own gain, and so it was a really, really tough time. And in this process, these, the Jewish people were desperate for a savior. There had been promises and promises, and now they're sitting under the rule of another nation with an iron fist, and they're, they're just praying and asking, Lord, when is he coming? When's the savior coming? But nobody imagined, you know, what it was going to look like. The assumption was that he was going to come from Jewish, what we would call Jewish royalty. That he would be coming from a well-to-do caste, raised in a well-to-do society, probably raised with kings. No one imagined that he would come through a Nazarite young woman in a small little town in the middle of nowhere. Right? They just couldn't see it coming. So why Mary? Why would God choose Mary? What made her special? Um, when we read her story, here's the thing that happens about Mary, is we get a sense of detachment because we know Mary as who she is now. You know, she's the, she was the mother of our Savior. She was an amazing woman. You know, we see her at the cross even when Jesus was, was on the cry, cross and he's crying out, and we see her then. And, and we know her story because we know who she is, but we don't know her before this. We forget that before she was the mother of our Savior, she was just this young Jewish girl in this little town with no aspirations necessarily, probably a godly young woman. But it's really interesting that we, we see something happen, when, and we're going to read the scripture in just a second, when she comes to know the call that God has on her life. So we forget that before she was the mother of Jesus, she wasn't always the mother of Jesus, right? And we learn Mary through, through uh, motherhood, but it's interesting, it stretches past that. And what's really interesting is everybody, as I tell the story, as I get into this message, everybody, you can relate to where Mary was and what was going on in her life. And one of the main things was she was so unprepared for what was coming, right? And so it's an interesting thing that there's, there's been, like I said, this, this season of unpreparedness. You know, we came into COVID, and, you know, we're, we're what, 400 days into the 14 days to... <laughs> Listen, we, we got to give our leaders some grace. I mean, they had no idea. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's like, it's not going to be awesome. Um, but we, you know, again, that's real easy hindsight. And I remember I actually preached a message called Disruption in, the, in our series, actually called Disruption. It was the first series I preached as we kind of had to disconnect from the facility and, and preach from home on, on video. And, uh, and the concept behind disruption was that it's not an interruption. And an interruption is a pause, and then you can just get started again. A disruption is a whole other thing. <laughs> It disrupts everything, and you have to rethink. And so I hear people say, we've got to get back to normal. And I hear that, but I don't think there's a normal ever again from what we came from to where we are now. And so we have to think through that and what that means. And so, you know, again, Mary's completely, completely unprepared. She's, she's, we are, we're as unprepared for COVID as Mary was as unprepared to carry the risen Savior of the world, right? So let me just read the scripture. It's really amazing, this story. It's in Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, 
Sounds like a Christmas story. I should, I should have Christmas music while I'm doing this. Uh, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you are, who are highly favored. Keep that word in mind, favored. You who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled as, at his words. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. There's that word again. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. That's a whole other sermon. It goes on verse 37. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. Isn't that beautiful? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. (laughs) So Mary was in no position for the circumstances she found herself in. So you can imagine, she's an unwed virgin from a small, obscure town called Nazareth. She's from a poor family. And just imagine this happens to her. And we, again, we can get a little bit detached because we we think about who she is now, how we know her now. But she's just this young woman, and the angel appears to her. And think about this in real time. This conversation in real time, I'm going to read the rest of this here in just a second, but in real time, the conversation with the angel probably lasted less than a minute. <laughs> that's a minute that's going to change the world in a big way, isn't it? And so think about that. I mean, she's just, she's so not prepared. There's so many things that he said, that the angel said, that she's reading between the lines and she's like, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, she's, she's agreeing, she's like, Lord, let it be done to me according to God's will, of course. But she's thinking this through. I mean, she had to be, I can imagine the look on her face because the angel said, don't be afraid. Now, why would he say that unless, you know, she's like, oh, my God. I mean, you know, you couldn't say that as a Jewish young woman. But she's like, oh, my Yahweh. So they would just put the consonants in place. Like, can you imagine what she was feeling in that moment? God's saying, I'm going to do this. And, you know, you're going to be pregnant with the Savior of the world. And so, anyway, we get into that in this between-the-line stuff is, what does this mean for my family, right? What does this mean for me? No, nobody's going to accept an unwed mother in that culture, and she knew that. My marriage is going to get called off. Joseph's going to freak out, right? <laughs> right? And I'm going to tell him, yeah, I'm pregnant, but no, I didn't sleep with anybody else. And like, yeah, and Joseph's like, well, yeah, you're the first person in all of history who have ever done that, right? And he would be right. <laughs> I don't I, I think through what this might have looked like. This probably didn't. Joseph was a good man, so I'm sure he didn't do that. But think about the fact that she thought there's a good chance that he's going to leave me, and I'm going to have this baby, and I'm going to raise this baby for the rest of my life and his in shame. Like he will always be marked by this. He'll be marked in shame. So there's a lot of things going on in her head. And she just had a minute to respond to the angel, right? And she had two options, really. She could either choose fear to move into the unknown, or she could choose faith. But she could not choose both. I just want to remind you, that's, that's you. As, as God opens the door for you and he calls you into some of the things that he's called you into, 
um, you're going to choose fear or you're going to choose faith as you go into the unknown future. It's not like you say, time, time out, <laughs> I, 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 just, I need a minute. Like you, you don't get a minute, right? When this happens, it's, it's on and it's, it, it's headed in, in some direction. You've got to decide what you're going to do with it. So many of us can relate to this, feeling like you don't have all the answers. I know I feel that a lot. Like you're unprepared for what life throws at you or you're fearful of what might, might lie ahead. You know, financially, as we go into this, it's like, what's this going to look like for my business? What's this going to look for my family? My plans for saving college for my kids. There's just a million things that can go through your head. But the good news is, is you're in good company. Um, the mother of the Savior of the world found herself in the same place, this unpreparedness thing, and yet God was with her. It's a powerful phrase. In times of insecurity, our natural inclination is to seek answers, to understand the why. We always ask that question. And in the space of misaligned reality, we imagine the unimaginable, right? We, we start thinking about things that get us in trouble. And so let me just say this because it's really important. If you don't remember anything, remember this. Fear relishes unpreparedness. Let me say it again. Fear relishes unpreparedness. Something about when it hits you and you don't know what to do. It's a sudden sickness, a sudden death in the family. I mean, it could be a hundred different things. Fear is all over that. And you have to make a decision about what you're going to do. Illogical solutions. You start thinking through all these crazy answers and they become normalized. You start talking crazy stuff as if it's normal. And it's really hard not to do that. So Mary was fearful. Remember the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid. I'm sure he saw the look on her face when she asked, how is all this going to be possible? And she's not the first one to answer that question, let's be honest. I mean, think about Abraham and the questions that maybe he had, or Moses, or Gideon. Some of the prophets face the same question. How am I going to do this? Lord, how can I do what you're calling me to? Because it seems like it's impossible. But Mary, at this moment, made her decision. If she lingered at all, she didn't linger very long. Just jump right into it. She plans a trip. She's about to go somewhere. And so let me just kind of give you an example of what happens to me or what happened to me. I remember our first year of Bible college. Karen and I were out in, in uh, California. And uh, we'd signed up. We had enough money to get started. And we're going by faith. And we're going to get into it. And uh, we move there. We move into somebody's guest room. At one point, we were living in a Sunday school room. And we had to get up early on Sunday mornings and make it back into a Sunday school room. And then when it was all over, we could turn it back into our bedroom for a season we were in. It was a really challenging situation. And I remember the, the next semester came up, and we, and we were struggling to get by in every way we could. Um, it's not cheap to live in California, e even in the cheap places. <laughs> and so uh, we were doing everything we could and uh, started this next semester. You know, I was getting letters. Hey, you know, your, your, your bill's due the next semester. I'm like, yeah, 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 trust in the Lord. <laughs> and we get in there, and a couple of days into it, I get called into the office of the dean, and he's like, uh, Dave, I need to talk to you about something. I just hung my head. I was like, I'm so sorry, man. I just, I, I don't have any money. So I'm, my, my expectation is I'm about to be thrown out of the school, right, and moved out here. I mean, we, we did everything to come out here and trust the Lord for this. I'm like, oh. and he pauses for a second. He goes, I just wanted to let you know somebody paid your entire second semester for you. I was like, say that again out loud because I <laughs> think I said that in my head a little bit. <laughs> and he's smiling at me, big smile. He goes, Dave, God's faithful. He's faithful. He says, you're being faithful and you're here 
And he said, I just want to remind you, he said, um, you're, you're doing what God called you to do. You're gonna, he's going to support it. He's in it. And so I don't know about you guys, but when that happens, something about that settles something in your heart. I don't, I'm not sure how many times that kind of thing needs to happen before we really settle it in our heart that God is going to take care of us, even when we're unprepared, even when we're not ready, even when we've screwed it up, God's going to take care of us. It's an interesting way to think about it, but here's what happens. If you're going to see God do something incredible, first thing you have to do is remain humble, right? Mary didn't get proud and arrogant and start walking around to all the other women in the, you know, in the look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the Savior, and you're, you know, you're just having a regular baby. <laughs> Stuff that goes through my head. I shouldn't say it out loud, probably. But the second thing is you've got to be faithful. You know, there's a faithfulness. If you're going to see God move, there has to be a faithfulness. I, I was sharing with our worship team on Thursday night rehearsal. I was like, hey, guys, I just want to say thank you because you have been faithful, right? Um, through, through COVID, through everything that's happened, they show up on Thursday nights. I mean, like, we play, and we love worship, leading worship on Sunday morning. Um, and we're not the greatest worship team in, in, in the world, but we're getting better all the time because we, we're committed to it. But, but I just said, thank you guys for your faithfulness, this, this sense of showing up every time. And how many times did you not want to come here on a Thursday night? Don't answer that out loud because <laughs> I don't want to get discouraged. But I know it was a lot because for me it was a lot. I'm like, I don't want to go. I loved it when I came, and I, you know, but I didn't want to go. So faithfulness is a really important thing. So let me read the rest of this passage. This is Luke 39, 139. It says, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Remember, she was pregnant. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored? Here's that word again that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Listen to this phrase, she says to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Creates this state. I mean, when you believe that the Lord's going to do what he said he's going to do, it creates this state of favor. That, I mean, it exists because of the cross, of course, but, with, but favor can't help but jump all over you when you believe that the Lord has said it, especially when it's impossible, even more so. It goes on, it's verse 46, it says, Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. This is her song, you know, it's famous. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he is mindful of the humble state of his servant, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Verse 50, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Now remember, she's saying this while Rome rules over them with an iron fist. She goes on, verse 53. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away. He has, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See that, that promise again. So Mary visits Elizabeth, and Mary tells her, you're favored. She recognized this because the angel said the same thing, same thing remember? <clears throat> so what does it mean for Mary to be favored? 
what about this particular young woman? She had the right genealogy to be sure. She was in the line of David, Judah, the tribe, right tribe, Judah from David's line. But she was more than that. She was a woman whose heart could handle the joys and the sorrows that were about to come to her. She was a woman whom God favored. It's really interesting. In the original language, favored is a derivative of the word grace, charis. Right? Favor and grace, they go hand in hand. So Mary wasn't chosen because she was God's favorite out of all the other Jewish women, nor was his favor given because of her merit. She had done nothing yet to warrant the favor that was upon her life, right? So God's grace was extended to Mary, though, so she could do something. So think about that for a second. When God gives his grace to you, it's not just a get-out-of-hell-free card, <laughs> Right? His grace is not just so you, can, you don't have to suffer something. All, Mary was going to suffer tremendously through this. So his grace was for that. His grace was, um, one, one guy said it this way, it, grace to withstand what comes towards you. And I just tend to think of that and go, that's true, but it's not enough. It's not just grace to withstand. That assumes that the enemy's always on the attack and you're always on the defense. And I don't know if you know this, but that's not the way God works right? So it's grace to withstand, yes, but it's grace to overcome and to actually do what God said he was going to do in you. That's the powerful thing. And if you, if you think about it, what happens is we fall into this rut so often as believers where the enemy's coming at us from every side. Here's what I know. When the enemy is attacking you from, from every side, you are on to something, <laughs> right? Right? He's not going to attack you if you're over here doing nothing in, in no danger whatsoever to his kingdom. He's gonna, why would he bother you? He's got other people to worry about, right? But if there's an attack coming at your life, and it happens on a regular basis if you're a believer, if there's an attack, you have something to do, and God has given you grace, and he's given his favor on your life so that you could accomplish the thing that he called you to do. This grace, this favor on Mary would be her driving force, it would be a source of, of strength, and she would face many challenges as Jesus' mother. I mean, just think about the stuff that she was going to face that would try to knock her down for being who God called her to be. She was going to flee from a murderer, right? The ruler of her nations is, is going to try to kill her son. They become refugees. She has to move up, up, I mean, lift up everything in her house and just move to an entirely foreign country, and she was willing to do that. She became a refugee. She witnessed her child suffer like no one has ever suffered. She wit witnessed her child die the most shameful of deaths. There was, no other sh there was no more shameful death than the death on a cross. She had to face the realization that she would outlive her child. I, I want to push the pause button right here. Because I was praying this morning and I felt like that's something we need to talk about. And just take a minute. She recognized she was going to outlive her son. Um, Karen, has, she's, we just went to a funeral this week, and someone's, we know, um, their son was killed. And uh, she was hugging his neck, and he said, I don't know how to handle this, or something along those lines. And she said, you're not supposed to know how to handle this. Nobody is supposed to outlive their children. It's not natural. It's just not. And yet some of us have done that. And some of us may do that in the future. What do you do when the one that you're supposed to protect and supposed to cover, because this is, this is Mary. Her heart was to cover and to protect and to draw him close and to keep him safe. And yet in the call, God called him to go to the cross 
And she had to allow something that was going to tear her heart out. How is she going to do that? And the only way, there's no way you can be prepared for that. But the only way is God's grace and his favor on her life. You have been chosen to bring hope to people who have no hope. I don't know if you've seen it out there, but if you're a believer and and you've looked at people's lives, especially going through this thing called COVID, I mean, we're yet to see the ramifications of of the solitude that was created over the last year. With our kids going back to school, we're, it, there's a lot of concern that has damaged, some, some, in some ways, irreparably damaged some of the kids as they go into their next school year, that it's going to at least push them back a year, maybe even more than the year that they lost. It's a frightening thing. But God's chosen us to bring hope. People who looked around, who their life was going really well. They were doing well. They had nice cars. They had a nice house. Their job, their career was headed. And then COVID comes and hundreds of thousands, millions of people die. I don't know many people who, who, they don't know someone who died of COVID in this last year. I had an uncle who passed away from COVID. My dad got sick at his funeral with COVID. So I, I don't know anybody who hasn't pressed up against something they're wholly unprepared for. And in that moment, without God, without Christ in our life, there is no hope. And it's fearful. And you have an answer to that. In Jesus. So I just want to remind you, Mary wasn't the only one who was called to something great to bring hope. Maybe you feel that you're not prepared, and that's okay. Maybe you don't feel qualified to do the thing that God's called you to do, and that's also okay. All God is looking for is someone who will trust Him and someone who will take Him at His word. That's what Abraham did. The Bible says, it says, um, he, was, he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. His belief that God was going to honor what he said. That kind of relationship, God said, that's a man I can pour my blessing and my favor out on. So I don't, what about you? The things that God said to you, the things that he's made promises in your life, have you let go of those? Have you lost some of those? Is it time to grab hold of them again and believe that if God could do this in Mary's life, then the truth is he can do that in your life as well. He can bring hope where there's no hope. So Mary listened and she paid attention. She was tender-hearted and she remained tender in the circumstances when everything was pushing back against the promise. She could have been angry and frustrated. She could have offered up why me complaints constantly or even resisted God's work in and around and through her. But she didn't do that. She remained teachable. She recognized what God was doing. She submitted to the will of God for her life. And then Mary believed God. Her belief was her most incredible form of worship. Think about this. Instead of looking for answers, Mary chose to trust God and to obey what he said. Even in her greatest sorrow and when in doubt, she made the conscious decision to turn her heart upwards. Jesus died on the cross. It's another thing she was unprepared for. Who's going to take care of her now, right? And Jesus says, he asked John, one of his disciples, he said, will you look after her? Paraphrasing, of course. So think about that. It's amazing. Her heart, even in that moment, turns upward that there's some hope. So I just want to close with just some simple things. Mary's response to life's unpreparedness is a testimony for every single one of us here today. The past year has been hard, but it doesn't have to be hopeless. Let me just say something about hard. Jeremiah, I think it's 32. Jeremiah's in prison because the king, he's prophesied that things are going to go bad for the nation, right? And, uh, He's in prison, 
his, his cousin comes to him and wants him to buy property. It's a strange story. Go back and read it. I think it's Jeremiah 32. It's a strange story. His cousin comes to him and says, hey, the kinsman redeemer, I have property for sale, and I need to get rid of it. I need to keep it in the family, and you need to buy it, right? So here's the thing. <laughs> um, he's in jail when this is happening because he's been prophesying against the, the king. The Babylonians have siege ramps against Jerusalem. They've already taken over the rest of the territory, and Jerusalem is about to fall, and everybody's going to go into captivity. And this guy wants to sell him some property in enemy territory. <laughs> what would you, everybody's got a cousin like that, right? It's just trying to sell you something like, no, nah, uh, no, stop, stop hitting me on Facebook, really, stop, right? Everybody's got a cousin like this. <laughs> and in this moment, God tells Jeremiah, I want you to buy that property. Well, like, think about that for a second. He's in jail. <laughs> He's, it's in, the property's in enemy territory, Babylon is at the gate. They're about to all go into captivity, and God's telling them to make a real estate deal. What is that all about? It's a good question. And, and the, he goes through this story. Go back and read it. It's really fascinating. He goes, in this story, he, he goes through this big thing about signing the papers, um, uh, sealing one document, keeping another one open, which is interesting. Real estate, hasn't much, uh, real estate exchange hasn't changed much in thousands of years. And so he goes through this whole process, and Jeremiah would never live to be on that property, he would die. But the phrase comes back and it says, um, property would be bought and sold again in Israel. Right, so the captivity would end, people would come back, and that property would be valuable again. So Jeremiah gives away 17, he buys it for 17 shekels of silver. So anyway, he, in, the, in the passage, he's saying all this. He says, the siege ramps are at Jerusalem at the gate in he makes it as a statement, but it's really a question. He says, uh, and you want me to buy property, <laughs> right? <laughs> he said, um, that's hard. And this is the famous statement. We've all heard it before. God comes back and he says, anybody know? Is there anything too hard for me? So as I pray for you guys, here's the thing to think about I want to leave you with. Um, if you're doing something that you can do, it's probably not God, right? Nothing wrong with raising your family, nothing wrong with going to work, nothing wrong with living a good life. You know, the Bible talks about leave a peaceful existence, pray for your leaders. Those are all good things to do. <clears throat> but some of those things, even raising a family, when challenges happen, when the culture tries to grab hold of your kids, when things go south, when things happen, and it just devastates you. Many of us have sat down, I know I have, and I said, Lord, this is too hard. And I start buying into that lie. And I just want to challenge you guys. Whatever you've been called to do, and it's difficult, the whole point for it being difficult is God's going to get the glory. That's, that's literally the point. But it's not going to happen if you don't trust him. Take him at his word and obey him into that future. Even when it doesn't make sense, when it, when it, it makes no sense at all, why in the world are you asking me to buy property in the middle of a siege on the city when I'm in jail? Stupid cousin. Why? Right? I, I mean, think about it. And he said, Lord, this is hard. And God's response is, and he's all, he always says this rhetoric. God always answers your question, almost always, with rhetorical questions. Is anything too hard for me? You know the answer. But it gets into your soul. And so I, want, I just want to pray for us this morning that whatever has been or you feel is too hard, don't buy that lie. 
It's not too hard. But listen to me. It is hard. Don't buy into the lie that if it's, you know, if it's not too hard, then it's easy. No. There's a middle ground called hard. And it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be challenging. And you're going to wonder and maybe doubt and maybe fear tries to raise their ugly heads. And when they do, you have to have a response. And this is what Mary said. Be it done to me according to your will, Lord. I serve at the pleasure of my king. I'm not doing this because necessarily I want to. People ask us all the time as elders, like, must be nice as elders. You get to do anything you want in the church. I'm like, you have no idea what it means to be an elder. Our whole, the whole reason we exist in eldership is to, is to administrate what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in his own body. To, to, for Jesus to have his bride and love her well and challenge her and encourage her, all those things, that's the role that we play, which means often I don't get what I want. I say this about marriage sometimes. For, for us to have a happy home, sometimes there has to be an unhappy me. So it's hard sometimes, but it's not too hard. Amen? Why don't you stand? I want to pray. So Jesus, we just say thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your mom. <laughs> what an example, Lord, of a young woman who was challenged in a way that probably will never know the depth of. But Lord, she said, I believe you and I trust you. And I don't know how it's going to work. And Lord, then we watch through these moments in her life when you were 12 and she was amazed that you taught the people who should be teaching us. Lord, at the cross, when she looked at you with her heart broken, Lord, and then putting her faith and her trust in you as a Savior at the same time that you were her son. Lord, I, I can't even begin to imagine what that looks like. So thank you for a model, Lord, that's amazing. And so, Lord, as we move into the call that you have for us individually, the call for you have our family, Lord, and the call that you have for this family on mission, this church. And, Lord, we say yes, reaching people, bringing them hope, Lord, encouraging, releasing them from the brokenness that is their sin, calling them out of sin, Lord. Lord, you've called us to this, and you are even though we're unprepared, Lord, you are prepared. And so, Lord, we just submit ourselves to you. We say we trust you. And, Lord, we want to obey you into this unknown future in faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much to our pastor this morning. And um, if you um, identify with anything within this message or our time together, we'd love to pray for you. Our ministry team would be up front. And also, um, if you're watching online, if you go to our website, um, you can request prayer there as well. And someone from our ministry team will be in touch with you. We hope you guys have a great week, a wonderful Mother's Day, and you feel so special and blessed and loved on. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week.